Hello, and welcome to this free episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. My name is Hussein. My name is Phoebe. And this week we're, we're rejoined by friends of the show who I couldn't remember, like I couldn't remember the last time you came on, but it was such a long time ago that I really, we both really wanted you back. We are back with Alana Hope Levinson. Alana's a journalist, a writer, an editor, um, all out extraordinaire. Uh, Alana, how's it going? Good. Thank you so much for your kind words. I like being reminded what I do. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've invited you back on because there is a subject we want to talk about that you are basically the expert on. Um, and like, I felt that it would be a really good time to revisit like some of it. This was a piece that you wrote in 2020. It's about Ben Affleck and Ben Affleck memes. We will get to that in a second, but Phoebe, you, uh, you pointed out something. So, uh, keen listeners of the show will note that we did an episode with Jacob Silverman quite recently, where we talked about NFTs and how they did not save the art market. And one of the questions we were left behind was, Hey, what happened to the people who did believe that? their bored apes did define their identities. Well, apparently at least some of them are now blind. Um, this was a bored ape crypto bro event, uh, where they were blinded by blinded by the light at an, at an NFT event. Um, I have seen the videos yeah. for this. They, were, yeah. they, they, were, they weren't, they weren't, bl they weren't blinded. It like, it looked like there was some of them might have been. They, they have, just got like intense been. retina damage, I suppose. Yeah. And, um, and like, and visual problem and, and visual problems. And it's because at this event, they used a, they used a UV, a UV bulb, which is so strong that it's mm. normally used as a disinfectant. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, like a disinfectant, and as a kind of, and, and as a as a bleach, and it was being <laughs> shone directly into people's eyes. And the only reason the only reason I'm bringing it up is because it happened the day after we recorded the NFT episode um, with Jacob. So it just it felt like quite an important coda, and it also felt like the opening to one of mm. the Timber to one of the uh, Timber and Batman films. Um, That's is. I feel like that's how you get some pretty good villains. This was at an event called Ape Fest, um, and this came from an attendee who posted on X, uh, formerly Twitter, still Twitter in my heart, um, almost uh, who quoted that they went to this Ape Fest event, were dancing to very bad EDM music, and quote almost lost their sight. Um, and they wrote, "So far, thirty hours since I since I woke up with severe eye burn. I visited emergency hospital and eye clinic, and they they spent a total of six hours there." Uh, my vision was tested as close to perfect with no serious cornea damage, luckily. Um, but that said, they were diagnosed with accident-related photocoritis in both eyes. Um, that doesn't sound good. So, I mean, I guess I hope that everyone who went to this thing, their eyes are okay. Um, hmm. But yeah, the, 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 of course, <laughs> the, 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 the apes are doing fine. Um, it seems like, or at least among sort of the hard, the, the, the hard ape fans, things, things seem to be going okay. They're, they're pivoting to events. I feel like we're, like lots of failed media projects, as Alana, you'll know, one of the great ways of reviving yourself is by going into the events, the events industry. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, we're good at making, you know, things people read. Why wouldn't we be great at hosting parties? Totally. Those, those <laughs> skills track for sure. <laughs> Um, so best of luck with BAYC. Um, if you're looking for an editor for your magazine, um, Alana's around. I, I'll be around at the end of the year. I'm, I'm leaving my job at the end of the year. So I'm very happy to happy to work for your publication. Yeah. Well, we got to team up again, you know? That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. We're, yeah, we're starting, up, we're starting a new business. 
And I, I can I, I can vouch for both of them. They're both very good editors and very good writers. But also, they both know to not use bulbs that might give people snow blindness. So that's something mm. which they can definitely um swear to as well oh i mean so so my wife yeah my i was gonna say my wife and i are moving house right now and we did have a bit of an argument over like the types of bulbs we want to use like the warm bulb versus cold bulb debate um i won't go too much into that but what i will say is that um i i was very much of the cold bulb category and apparently apparently that makes me a psychopath or at least like someone who like needs help i didn't know there was anyone unless you you know owned an interrogation room (laughs) <laughs> would be interested in the cold bulb like that's the vibe i thought it just gives you better lighting like you can see more things is that like not a fit like yeah i i, I was genuinely really surprised that this was a this was an actual problem here's what you should do get an led bulb and you can change whatever color you want and so when you're in the room you can make it the interrogation room and she can come in, make it a cozy fireplace. I like, you know, making it the pride flag. I'm not even kidding. I have them all over my house. You can do every crazy color. Sponsor yeah. me. Uh... <laughs> LED okay, bulb. Yeah. I forget the brand. Okay, I so you're, you're, you could, yeah. I didn't know you could get cold bulbs. I, I like. Is that is that what the kind of the bluey white light? Mm-hmm. Why would you want that? No, isn't wait no. We the, all have the same question. No. no, the cold bulb, like, isn't it? It's just they're different types of brightness. So, like the cold bulb, you sort of yeah, you get no. like a sort of whiter light. Whereas if the warmer one, it's kind of like a more orangish light. Um, I thought it was like a and, different tone. And my thinking was more like, well, if you want to see the paint of your walls, like, surely it's better to get a bulb that's bright. But apparently, yeah, apparently that is like what what a sicko would say. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been learning a lot over <laughs> the past few weeks. So, uh, yeah, uh, I can't guarantee that I will not be supportive of the UV bulb situation. Alana, on the other hand, probably safer hands, I think. Oh, yeah. We're going by <laughs> candlelight. We're... Okay, so so let's let's get on to like the meat and potatoes of this episode. Uh, there was a there was a picture that was kind of circulating around Instagram and Twitter and stuff. Um, and I found a really a funny caption of this was called Wake Up Honey, New Pick of Ben Affleck, Sick of Life Disrupt. Uh, this is a picture of uh, seemingly a very tired Ben Affleck holding a Starbucks cup. Uh, he's got um, a checkered shirt, got his like jacket on. He's showing his like wedding ring. Um, he, it's it's a very quintessential Ben Affleck image, I suppose. But I mean, this may be where our starting point is because I don't really know how to describe this image in the context of Ben Affleck images. It feels like it's one of his images where I can understand that yes, this is Ben Affleck and this is Ben Affleck projecting a particular kind of vibe, but Alana, as someone who has studied Ben Affleck to a degree that neither of us have been able to, can you please explain to us what the appeal of this image is and how it sort of fits into the broader set of Ben Affleck images that people love sharing and seems to sort of be like a constant sort of throwback to like relatable content online? Yes. Oh, I don't even know where to start. Like how far back with the Ben Affleck lore do we go? But um, the start. Okay. Let's, let's go. Let's go back to the start. Use your use your BA, Ben Affleck. Okay, let's try. <laughs> let's try. Uh, this is like when you get a new therapist and you have to start at the beginning. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I was born in. Okay, so he you know was what? Like sort I of- think I think I think this. Sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but no, like, no problem. But just it's like literally just just on just on that. I feel like there should be a service that that like prints up flashcards from like the significant horrible events in your life that you can just give 
to a new therapist so that you don't have to spend the first three sessions telling them your life story? 100%. I mean, you, I've stayed with therapists only because I don't want to go back yeah. and explain <laughs> again. Yeah. It's usually, like, depending, for me, it's like 10 se- I mean, it's like we need to spend a year like the, like, the fir- like the first yeah. time, just like, just say, okay, I'm really sorry, but do you mind if I record myself telling this? So if if I do need to break oh up God. with you, I, I'm yeah. going to just play the, the play it. Here's the, like, yeah, here's the, here's the backstory. Could you listen to this maybe in your own time? Yeah. If we could also do it for like weird hyper fixations, like for me, Ben Affleck. Yeah. And I could just give it to people and be like, here's everything you need to know because I could go on and on. But anyway, he was poised to be sort of like a Brad Pitt, George Clooney figure, um, you know, super attractive, leading man, tall, dark, handsome, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I think what's so compelling about him, and if remember that Batman press store he did, this is like when the sad Ben Affleck really started kicking yeah. off, where mm-hmm. one of his co-stars is answering a question and he just looks like he's like looking into the dark night of the soul. Um, and it's like, he should be happy, right? Like he's Batman and he, this, this was the path for him, right? Like he's going to be Batman and then he's going to go on. And, um, he honestly, he had to quit being Batman because he said he would drink himself to death if he kept doing it. So like, to me, that's part of the beauty of Ben Affleck is he's just like this white guy who had it all and still somehow like couldn't get out of his own way. Um, and like the weight of that, like it just crushed him. That's kind of what makes him relatable, right? It's like, all these pictures and all these memes, why are you so disgruntled? Like you're a movie star, you know, but he just looks like he's, you know, a dad of six in the Midwest who just smoked a pack, like going to pick up his kids after like a hard night at the bar. Um, But this picture you're mentioning is very iconic because you said he has the Starbucks cup, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ben Affleck, who's like a notorious, uh, Boston guy. I believe it was what Gone Girl. He he shut down the set for a couple of days once because he refused to wear a Yankees hat. The director was like, Your character would wear a Yankees hat. And he's like, I will not do that. Like that's a classic Ben Ben Affleck moment that I love. Um so anyway, so he's that much of a Boston guy in Goodwill Hunting, yada yada yada, that he's obsessed with Dunkin' Donuts. And he's even the original sad memes with him, he's always carrying like five Dunkin' Donuts, which it also adds like, why is he drinking such shitty coffee? You know, mm. go to Blue Bottle. You're a Hollywood guy. No, he still goes to Dunkin'. He's like the hometown guy. He's since been in Dunkin' Donuts commercials. So when mm. a picture of him drops with a Starbucks cup, I mean, that's really controversial <laughs> in the Ben Affleck canon. I'm surprised he can even do that. Like he hasn't like signed away his life being like, I will only Mm. drink Dunkin' Donuts. Um, But, you know, even he just the the Starbucks, the um, the appeal of it being everywhere can't escape. Um, So does that sum up that photo? Yeah, I mean, like, I I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other part, the other parts that sort of stuck out to me, number one, the wedding ring. I don't know whether that's sort of significant, um, because I think obviously uh, we've sort of, the, when I read your article and you had written this in 2020. Um, mm. so this was like, bef- I think you had written it before he started dating Anna Diamas, or maybe just around about the time that was starting. But uh, it was also, and you write, and you write about, you write about Ben Affleck in the context of like this guy who, as you mentioned, sort of had it all, um, kind of, uh, also sort of not necessarily lost it, but 
kind of tried really hard to, to a certain degree. Obviously, one of the big aspects of his life being that like he cheated on his ex-wife um, and like, you know, having kind of issues with addiction. Um, and so a lot of understanding Ben Affleck is also understanding this sort of, you know, oscillation between um, kind of being down, but also sort of wanting, like, you know, seeking redemption, seeking recovery and so on. I wondered whether like the sort of return to Jennifer Lopez, uh, the sort of, you know, the kind of rekindling of that relationship, the sort of discourse around kind of the revival of like the nineties and early two thousands, whether that kind of comes into play in this image as well. Like, you know, and, and I don't know, cause again, I don't really know too much about like the backstories and stuff. So this is very much something I would defer to both of you. And in particular you, Alana, like does the wedding ring kind of play a role in this image? Yes. Uh, that actually reminds me when you like write for the internet, you black out and like forget pieces you've written. But I actually wrote a piece for GQ about Benefer specifically after this piece that I'm now Amazing. remembering. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like I, this is very similar to like, you know how guys have like a midlife crisis, they cheat on their wife and then they go on Facebook and like DM their like high school girlfriend. Like, what's up? Now's finally <laughs> the time. Like, this is like an American trope. And then they get back together that is what happened. Like, that is what he did. Like, he straight up, like, <laughs> got a divorce, was super lonely, and then was like, what about Jennifer, the one that got away? And by the way, there was this whole sense of the reason they broke up originally was, like, she didn't track with the image of what everyone wanted him to be. Because mm -hmm. she was, like, this pop star, and, like, she wasn't, like... Like, Jennifer Garner really is the wife you would have if you wanted to be George Clooney. Um, and so it's sort of, yes, it's definitely this redemption, but it's also, like, even that, he's, like, sending her, like, you up. Like, apparently, like, sent her love letters when he found out she broke up with, um, what's his face? Yankee? I, honestly, uh, I, no honestly I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you. It's A-Rod. Was it A-Rod? Okay. Um, but speak Which, by the way, sorry, going back, but again, of course, he's, like, steal, like, he hates the Yankees. Yeah. And now he's yeah. gonna come in. It's just yeah. so good. Yeah, it's like this maybe maybe that's the point. Maybe it's never that he wanted to go baseball. back to Jennifer. It was always part of his anti Yankee Actian <laughs> plan all along. Like maybe, maybe. Like who knows? Uh what I think is quite is quite an interesting one with, with Ben Affleck as a kind of as a as a sort of celebrity figure, is that like you're completely right. When he kind of when he sort of emerged in the late nineties he was he was gonna be he was gonna be a leading man and even though he kind of carried like he stayed a list all the way through he's never quite been a leading man he's the leading man's best friend yeah. and that like that and that's like and that's like a, and that's like a little strange because like I, I i like i i love i'm gonna come right out and say i love ben affleck i think he is i think he is so charismatic i think he is such a brilliant actor i love his great his great like oblong head i, I really really <laughs> love ben affleck <laughs> and, like, too, and like always have done like like big big ben stan in this house um but so, but like something that i remember specifically about um benefer in the in the early aughts is like how angry it made people um and like particularly how angry it made a particular kind of uh, a particular kind of kind of guy they were really really furious about the idea of uh the idea of, of j-lo and and ben affleck and not because they were jealous of him it was like they were jealous of her it was a really really strange strange time because it was it was like peak treating female celebrities like they 
uh, like they literally had just no feelings at all or certainly like the start of the peak which then like kind of carried on um and i would i would like i would argue i would argue probably like properly peaked when um when like tabloid journalists were like were like hounding hounding britney when she was having like her when she was having like her breakdown but like this is but like female like female celebrities were like you think female celebrities are disliked now like everybody hated them and i remember seeing like on like like an entertainment show this like this one this one guy on a like on an absolutely unhinged rant about how like this like this guy he's like one of our greatest actors this this is the guy who wrote goodwill hunting it's like yeah okay man <laughs> okay okay you need to relax this is the guy who who who, who and you're seeing him putting ja- putting gas in jlo's car it's like she's <laughs> cut his balls off and it's like what are you talking about does does that man look like he is unhappy in his relationship with this incredibly beautiful woman? Like, what are you talking about? Um, and that was like that was like a really really weird part of the dynamic. And when they got back together, because things have moved on in terms of how people talk about celebrity, and now people talk about celebrity like they literally know them. And the feedback was, no no no, this is really good because you know they're like you know they've like. They've grown, they've grown together and they've grown apart. And this is now like a mature love, like a new love. So, like, you don't know them. You don't know anything about them <laughs> other than like, other than this very, like this very kind of heavily curated thing that you see. And I think, I, and I wonder if like part of the, the like part of the memes, it's like a way of like accessing, uh, it's like a way of accessing a famous person um, and, and putting your, and putting a kind of interpretation on this like split second out of their day like if you're like if you're ben affleck you're probably you're probably photographed pretty much everywhere you go and this is one second where he's like looking like looking like he's kind of opened his eyes in the morning and been just given a snapshot just directly into hell um but you can like you can make something out of that you can make a kind of you can make a kind of repeatable kind of iterative meaning out of this out of this image which is nothing to do with the subject in fact even better if it if it is like a divorce from the subject like if i started if i started hearing ben affleck talk about ben affleck memes i would find that like unsettling and off-putting like he is not meant to know about them you know (laughs) yeah i think that like you know every time there's a sad ben affleck meme or a picture of him with JLo where he looks miserable, people are like, look at trouble again. And it's like very obvious when you actually like watch the video or whatever that he's pissed off that paparazzi are following him and it has nothing to do with her. Mm. Like not to be like, take it, make it serious, but like, you know, the memes of him going to rehab where he's in the back going through the drive through, like bloated mm. and like super, it's like, can you imagine though, if like that was you? where like paparazzi have just like caught you in like your most humiliating moments Mm. of your life. Mm. Uh, I don't think you'd look happy to see them. So yeah, it's bizarre. Um, I think what's interesting though, is like we've always had the paparazzi, but with the memes, we see the parasocial um, element and like the Stan accounts kind of reaching into new territory. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like just to pick up on on the point about taking pictures of him looking like looking like shit going to rehab. Like I I was a little bit hoping after after the death of um Matthew Perry that there would maybe be a like not like a huge reckoning because like because that's not really how um 
how the kind of sort of celebrity celebrity based ecosystem works but like maybe some reflection on how well-known people um with addictions are treated and talked about i wondered if there was going to be some kind of reflection but Mm. but there there wasn't there wasn't like some of the stuff that was written about him actually made me feel quite ill um and that was like immediately after his death when people are supposed to be like kind of ultra ultra respectful um and it's very very repulsive at the way the way people the way people kind of hound well-known people who are kind of who are sort of like having a rough time and uh and then immediately kind of pivot to kind of you don't know somebody's struggles and it's like you were posting about their struggle what you 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 you, you actually you do know their struggles and you were consuming as entertainment and now something bad has happened and you feel like a dick how about staying with that feeling and not doing it again yeah what was interesting about the britney memoir i don't know if you guys have read it yet but like how many of the iconic paparazzi (laughs) shots that show her during her Mm -hmm. breakdowns when she explains her side of it, it's like the paparazzi were blocking her in and mm. she like couldn't get somewhere. She was like afraid for her safety where there's like this other side mm. where not only are they just documenting your worst moments, they're actively making them worse. Yeah. Mm. And like she talks about how they would like, you know, tease her. They were at, like everywhere she went, they would try to get her to have a mental breakdown so they could get the shot. Um so then you wonder, you're like, would these like have meltdowns have even happened on this level if not for this toxic stew of like surveillance, celebrity mm. harassment? Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, mm. no, 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 like, 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 absolutely, and particularly, like, particularly when it comes to, um, particularly when it comes to addiction or or serious mental health stuff. It's the the sympathy is only really extended uh, if they can if they can show that. Uh, that they're kind of better and pure now. So like even mm, so like even mm-hmm. so even then there's been a kind of fairly significant U-turn in how Britney gets talked about. People like when she's when, if she does something which like seems a little like seems like a little kind of off beam or a little like a little manic or a little unusual, it's right back to oh oh I was getting to like her because I thought she'd I thought she'd sorted herself out, but oh no she's being she's being she's being mad again. And that was something that I found so particularly moving about, about I'm sorry to keep going on about Matthew Perry, but it, it, was, it really got to me as a, as a celebrity death, actually, um, is that because he, because he, he was still, he was like, he was, he was in recovery, but everything that he, everything that he talked about with his, um, with his sort of drug and, drug and alcohol stuff was very much still a part of his present. He hasn't, he hadn't like emerged from it um, victorious. He didn't have this kind of, um, I suppose it's a kind of very evangelical insistence on this, on this kind of rebirth after after doing something after doing something bad, and it felt like it felt like sympathy was not extend sympathy and empathy was not extended in the same way because he because he was still he was still drinking and he was still and he and he was still using, but you can't think about um, addiction and you can't think about mental health in terms of. Oh well, yeah, we care about that. If that's like got a got the past tense on it, you need the full stop after that. Otherwise, we're gonna start start acting acting kind of uncomfortable and uh, and and shitty about it again. Yeah, I think it's still seen as a moral choice, like yeah, for most people. And um, you know, even sorry, not to keep going back to Britney, but uh, I just read her memoir, so it's on the top. But like. 
even in her book, while she details at length her mental health struggles, she completely keeps reiterating that drugs were not her problem. Like mm. she could not, she's like, I've smoked weed once, I swear. Like I like Adderall, but like really they sent me to rehab for like a diet pill or something, like a, an energy pill. Mm. Um, just could not, like I was actually shocked by it. Like, because uh, mm. I kind of thought that the memoir might, I mean, all of these things can be true. Like she can have mental health issues. She can also, you know, use substances to self-medicate, but like being so clear to stay so far away from that, I think yeah. shows, I mean, maybe that is true to her story. So I don't want to like say that I think it played a role. Who the fuck am I? But it's still, especially, you know, it's safe for, it's safer for people like Ben Affleck to come out about their substance abuse. And then mm. depending on how marginalized you are, it becomes less and less safe. But I was, you know, I still think I think it just shows how far we have to, to go really when it comes to being open about having addiction issues. Mm. Mm. I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to bring up, so, uh, cause I think this, 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 uh, is a good way to sort of go into an interim segment, um, which I think really touches on sort of celebrity and stand culture and, you know, where we sort of go from paparazzi photos that, you know, cause I, I, I think when I was like going through some of the sort of famous Ben Affleck memes that we sort of see quite a lot. One of the sort of underlying things like beyond, you know, they, they are sort of used as kind of like relatable content now, uh, for lack of a better term, but like they also sort of, you know, the kind of common thread is that they sort of catch him at his most vulnerable, right? Be it like in the back of the car, like, you know, going to rehab and just looking like he's really just like going through quite a lot to all the sort of photos of him smoking and just, you know, maybe not as intense as the rehab photos, but still very much like, yeah, this is just a guy who needs peace and privacy and like he does not need a photo taken of him and so i, I wanted to say like, as a starting point before we sort of get into like the stand culture element of the ben affleck story like what your thoughts are on on these on these types of like relatable these kind of images that have been considered to be like relatable memeified images um you know of like is this the kind of like what why is it that the response towards these are not you know, this is an invasion of this guy's privacy, like during a time where he's probably just going through like quite a lot and, you know, deserves this. Um, why is it that like, you know, yeah. Well, how, how is it that these Ben Affleck images sort of take up a life of its own and even go as far as to actually like kind of define him or like define a part of him in relation to internet culture? Yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, even just like having worked on a show about Elizabeth Taylor, like I don't think we've ever afforded celebrities. Um, respect or privacy. Like, I think it's always culturally been understood that like part of the price that we believe you should pay for being rich and famous is that we get to see you with egg on your face. Mm. Um, and, and, but it used to be that it, there had to be paparazzi to capture these photos and you would need to go to like a, you know, a grocery store and like to look up like Lindsay Lohan's or like Perez Hilton in the early blog days. I think what the internet has just enabled people to do is to spread these photos, uh, memeify them. And so they have like way more currency. But I just saw, you know, the Priscilla movie, the new Sofia Coppola movie. And it's like funny how there's all these scenes where she like finds out he's cheating on her by getting the tabloids. And it'll be like Elvis and like Anne Margaret kissed and she'll be like destroyed, mm -hmm. right? And you just think about how different it is now. She would probably be just like, looking in the reddit or like <laughs> on like elvis elvis updates <laughs> she'd be like oh he did it again <laughs> you know 
Um, but back then you had to go buy the magazine. So, mm. um, yeah, I'm not sure if it's, I, I think it's just sort of always been true. You know, I'd hope, I'd hope we'd sort yeah. of iterate past it. I think mm. the difference now though, is that these Stan accounts actually believe that they like love and like yes. these celebrities. Like that's the thing is like, at least there was some purity in the paparazzi relationship because it was purely transactional. Mm. You know, it's mm. like, I want this, I get money, I sell your photo, like, I, it doesn't, it's not relevant. What I think is actually worse is someone being like, I really just love you so much, like the, the, the Armas update. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> And I love you so much, which is like why I surveil you nonstop. It's like, mm. Mm, that's like, feels weirdly more abusive. So that's the, uh, so, yeah, so this is like a good place to sort of go into the interim segment, which is, I feel like when it, the sort of Ben Affleck story kind of takes a turn when in 2020, during the lockdown, uh, he starts dating Anna Diarmas. So he was in um, Deepwater, the, 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 um, the adaptation of the book that was on Amazon. I have not seen it yet. I don't know whether it's a good film or not. I don't think it got great reviews. Um, but nonetheless, kind of, it caused a lot of, uh, interest because during the time of filming and post filming, uh, and during the COVID lockdowns where the celebrities sort of had to be at home and there was a lot of, you know, the broader culture was very much like, you know, partly of surveilling celebrities to sort of figure out whether or not they were abiding by COVID restrictions or not. So Ben Affleck and Anna Diarmas were pictured just really walking and drinking coffee, like iced coffee and walking, but like that seems to sort of be the extent of their photos. There's like one admittedly quite funny one where like, um, uh, a trash guy like takes out a life-size, uh, cut out of Anna Diarmas that was presumably in Ben Affleck's apartment. I did, I did find that quite funny when I, when yeah, I saw that image hilarious. again today. Um, but this also sort of, you know, but it also coincides with, as you mentioned, um, this account called Anna Diarmas updates. So this is like an example of a Stan account um, a sort of fandom account in which, uh, like every celebrity's like, you know, new PR photo, new kind of paparazzi photo, like any sort of update that the celebrity has, even by way of like this celebrity was just spotted at like this juice place having like, you know, a snack or something like that all gets posted onto this type of account. Um, so I wondered Alana, whether you could tell us in terms of like trying to understand Ben Affleck and his position in internet culture, where does the Anna Diarmas art kind of fit into this? Because this happens before his reun like before being reunited with JLo. Um, and it also comes like in the aftermath of him no longer being Batman as far. I think like after the sort of Justice League thing, he says he doesn't really want to do the Batman thing anymore, as you mentioned. So this is kind of like a very unique and interesting period for Ben Affleck. And I wondered whether you could explain like what is going on here and why was there so much interest in his very brief relationship with Anna Diarmas? Yeah, that's it's like funny that you brought this up because personally that era doesn't really register to me. Like I don't <laughs> remember. It's like Jen Garner and then it's J-Lo. Um, you only recognize but, the gens. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I do think, I do think when it happened, it was like, how did he get this hot young actress? Like mm. that was sort of the, cause this was around the time I feel like when he was like with the, like at the beach with that horrible back tattoo, yes. maybe that yeah. was earlier, yeah. but you yeah, were no, sort no, of like, like that was like, it was like hilarious that he had like, um, right. Like it's not Ben Affleck updates, even though. Yeah, exactly. You know, technically he's the biggest, bigger star. But um, but he's a bigger star, but also like sort of washed up, whereas she was this like ingenue. Mm. Um, 
I think also something about Ben that I think is hilarious is how he just got into this zone of being completely defined by his romantic partners. Like, Mm. he's supposed to be the leading man, but like, really, I mean, the reason he has this rising star again is because he got back with J-Lo, you know? He's a trophy trophy wife. He is. Like, he's not that interesting alone, sadly. Mm. Um, He's a wife guy. He's a wife guy. He needs the wife really badly. Um, So... So, yeah, but God, yeah, I forgot about the like COVID surveillance aspect to that Stan account. Mm. Well, because there was a lot of like, I think a lot of the initial posts were just very much because I, I went I went back a little bit and, you know, there are lots of posts which are kind of like freaking out about them walking. Like, you know, they shouldn't be walking in like, you know, a congested mm. like a sort of like populated area of like L.A. where they were sort of, you know, doing COVID restriction or like sort of like uh, what you call it, uh, staying together during the COVID period. Uh, and you know, that wasn't really applied to them as much as to other celebrities, but there was this sort of broader aspect of like, well, what are the celebrities going to do now that like, they can't yeah. really work and they can't really do celebrity stuff like paparazzi also just kind of being a lot more present in the sort of neighborhoods. And you probably know, you know, you know, you know, more of the specifics than I do, but from what I've read paparazzi, that are like much more, um, likely to be in these sort of residential neighborhoods where the celebrities are you know, hanging out and like, you know, probably hooking up and stuff. And I think this, it has to be sort of understood in this context, but also this kind of broader thing taking place where the idea of celebrity and patronage changes as well. And, you know, you highlighted that in terms of, you know, we sort of go from this very transactional relationship between paparazzi and celebrity, um, where like cynical as it is, like there is a sort of understanding of why the paparazzi exist and what their purpose is. So these new forms of fandom, which, you know, uh, feign, have this idea of like feigned respect and loyalty. So like there's an interview that I read with the creator of the Anna Diarmas like fandom account, um, which was done in 2021, I believe, after Anna Diarmas blocked them, which I thought again was like a very <laughs> funny thing to happen. But it was like also this recognition that like, you know, no, these accounts are very weird. And like, when you read the interview with the, with the person who created it, like they say very directly that, yeah, we love the celebrity, but also like, we believe that to love them is to hold them accountable. Um, you know, and so when, uh, uh, like, so when, so when they're sort of talking, when they're talking about, uh, you know, uh, noting like whether or not Ben Affleck and Anna Diarmas are sort of, uh, managing COVID rules, uh, or like kind of abiding by COVID rules, the, the founder says, I believe one has to accept the consequences of being criticized by others as a public figure. Anna Diarmas is and like, has to be put to task of utilizing her platform properly and curating her image. So that it, so that, um, uh, so knowing that that's how other people will perceive her. And I thought that was a really interesting sentence because it sort of, you know, it, as you sort of mentioned, it really highlights the kind of role that surveillance sort of plays in all this, but it almost feels way more insidious in the paparazzi role, right? Because there is not really this, Mm. the absence of the transactional element kind of means that you have to justify this behavior in these very moralizing terms. Um, And I do wonder whether like, you know, and I think again, as you pointed out, it's really interesting that a lot of the focus is on Anna Diarmas and not really on Ben Affleck. I was curious as to why, whether you had any thoughts as to like why it was Anna that was sort of focused on and Ben Affleck almost being this like side character that just features a lot in these sort of, you know, in, yeah, in the, in the sort of stand and standum of this actress. I mean, I think honestly, like Gen Z does not understand Ben Affleck. Like 
they would love Anna Darmus to know who she is and not really even like who's her weird old boyfriend. Like, I'm not kidding. I have a Gen Z friend who straight up is like, I don't know who Ben Affleck is. And I'm like, are you joking? Like, have you seen Goodwill Hunting? And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, it's really a millennial obsession. Mm. Right. Um, so oh, that's they, sad. That's, I know, what, that's sad. what I mean about him like, never like, him ne- like never like reaching it. And I, and I don't, and I really don't, I, yeah. I really yeah. don't get why. <laughs> It's because he couldn't get out of his own way. Yeah, he didn't want it. That was the best part. There might be some hope though. Like, um, one one thing I've been I like I wasn't searching for this, but like every so often I go onto TikTok, and uh, there is sort of like a new rejuvenation of job like for Josh Hartnett, and in part that came out of Josh Hartnett and Oppenheimer. So Ben Affleck just needs to be like put into a Chris Nolan movie, and I think the the, the Gen Zers will come for him. You take yeah, that I mean- back. You literally take that back. I will not tolerate that. <laughs> I take it back, but I also kind of think that it's that it might be true. No, no, Honestly, it's pretty really weird. I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I don't have any opinions about it. I'm just saying that there is sort of this first for Josh Hartnett from Gen Zers that seems to be from my very anecdotal ten minutes on TikTok trying to figure figure out what was going on. But all of it but seems to come can, from like, this I'm first. So, like of, I am. I am sorry. You cannot put Josh Hartnett in the same category as Ben Affleck. Ah, you okay. Just this is the issue. Like, all right. All right. Okay. You just can't. Okay. Josh Hart. Like, well, and also, and also, I don't want him in an, in a Nolan film because that would be horrible. Uh, <laughs> like, like Josh Hart, like Josh Hartnett was like a was like a kind of May, one of those like Mayfly actors. He was like a teen heartthrob for a bit, and okay, then made right, some yes, like unfortunate yeah. unfortunate choices in the films that he was in, and then stopped being in films. That's the okay, that's the Hartnett right, fine, trajectory. Fine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You're right. I take it back. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying because I was look. I was um recently, you know, on a on a Jacob Alordi. That's his name, right? The guy yeah. who plays Elvis. Yeah. Sorry, guys, I'm bad with names. And I, I was like, "Wow, he really looks like a young Ben Affleck to me." Uh, <laughs> like they have a very similar look. Can Not you, Ben Affleck now? Can Go you, back to Ben Affleck. Can you only recognize people in terms of how how much they look like Ben Affleck? Like well, a really specific kind of face blindness. I mean, there is that whole joke that like all white guys look like Ben Affleck. Like they all have a little bit in them. I think the they, Ben Affleck. They really don't though. He's a very handsome version of that. Of of that. I agree. I agree. But that is a joke. Yeah. Um. Let me look up. I don't know. I mean, a lordy is really whatever. We won't get into him. But I, I could do a side by side. They both have the tall, dark, handsome, leading man. Yada mm. yada yada. What's what's um, what's his last name? Sorry. A lordy. E l o r d i. Yeah, it'd be the guy uh, in Korea. But going, but Hussein, going back to what you were saying, it's like I don't. When you read the quotes, it's like I don't fundamentally disagree with what they're saying, but I do think it's completely delusional and weird that they think they're the person as the yeah. stan account yeah. that is doing this quote unquote important work. Mm. Like uh, Phoebe Bridgers actually had it, like said something interesting like within the past year where. She was like going to her dad's funeral and being harassed uh, in the airport by her stands and was like, these are people who claim to care about me and have my face as their avatar and they will not fucking leave me alone. Like Mm. the the like there's just such a weird way in which these people spin their straight up stalking and harassment Mm. as love. That really creeps me out. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, completely with you. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. It's just, 
there's a really, I was actually thinking about, I don't know if you were following that whole like viral, it ended up being fake, but like the twi- the Swifties are unionizing post. Yeah. Um, there's this guy, this artist, Brad Trammell, that does a lot of like satire on his Instagram of like the current internet culture, you know, insanity, brain poisoning. Mm-hmm. Um, you should, you should have him on. He's does, makes really interesting work, but like he made this fake what's Instagram. His, what's his name? It, sorry. Brad Trammell. Um, a lot of, he's been behind viral hoaxes because he makes content satirizing the current culture, like on his Instagram and then it will get picked up. So he made one, like Taylor, the Swifties are unionizing and TMZ picked it up as if it was a real thing because that's how crazy the culture has gone. But it's like, you know, it's like a fist and it's like, we demand recognition. We do, we are what it, fan workers. Like, like it's like hilarious language. It's like, we are fan workers who do unpaid labor for Taylor Swift and we should have a say <laughs> in her personal life. Because um, this was around the time uh, Taylor Swift was dating Maddie Healy, who was like problematic mm. and they were really hurt by it. And mm. they believed that they should have a say in who she dates. And like the fact that that was picked up as real even now when you Google it, it's still kind of seen as real. You have to like really dig to, to see the people being like, this actually isn't a real thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it goes to show how realistic that language is these fans use. Mm. Yeah. Like you're not owed shit by this. I mean, that, that whole dynamic is very bizarre. Mm. Yeah. Well, actually like on that, yeah. Cause on that note, um, I, I, I took out this segment from the interview from the, um, Anna Diarmas updates uh, fan founder and like some of the terms that she uses or they use to sort of describe themselves, I think are really telling and like speak to that point that you made. So she, uh, so they say, I took on the role of being her quote quasi publicist. My approach is one of lighthearted mm. sarcasm because I don't, uh, don't mean to offend, but I want to be absolutely aware of the way that she has presented herself in photos as a Stan account. Of course I adore her, but I also want to help her in realizing that her actions can be impressionable when it comes to how they are interpreted by people that follow her. It's almost like tough love. That's where the balance comes in. I'm just looking out for her, especially now that there are more eyeballs watching watching their every public move. Now, like obviously, like the sort of telling part of that is the use of the term public quasi-publicist publicist, this idea that like you sort of voluntarily put yourself in this like role of promoting a celebrity oh. and not and not and not getting paid for it, not getting any compensation from it, right? Um, but I think there's also within that, like imbued in that is like this real awareness of like how online surveillance actually works. And so it's to, to me, it sort of seems like it's projecting and, and, and this is sort of where it gets confusing because I can understand to a degree that like, if you've grown up online, you're all, you are, you are aware that you are being surveilled at all times, right? If you're like an ordinary person on the internet, like you know, or has any sort of presence on the internet, you are being surveilled at all times, be it by other users, be it by ads and cookies, be it by like the security services, like a combination of the three, like you are sort of being surveilled all the time. And so all your moves, like everything that you do online, you sort of do so implicitly being aware that like you are being watched to some degree and the trade-off by which like you sort of are willing to sort of accept how much surveillance you are willing to accept that is very much like down to you but when you're a celebrity i feel like you don't really need to do that right like you know or at least kind of like you know you don't really need to be aware or you like you used to not really have to be aware of like your online presence and i do wonder whether like it is this kind of new environment where on the one hand you have online celebrities for whom like you know they're like 
we've, we've spoken about on this show before about influencers, YouTubers who try to break it onto the mainstream and so on, but like the sort of levels of surveillance that they are imposed on are like, you know, kind of far greater just because of where they come from. But I think if you're like a traditional film person, or if you sort of, I don't imagine that Anna Diarmas is like particularly extremely online. I could be completely wrong, but I don't think she is. And so I can only imagine that like when you're an actual celebrity and you're sort of being told that like, no, your experience, like my experience of online as like a normal person actually reflects your experience of it too. Like that just feels strange. Like when I think about why did Anna Diarmas block the Stan account rather than sort of ignore it, I do wonder whether part of it is just her kind of being like, no, this is really fucking weird. Like why, why am I so, yeah. why, why is like some random fucking like, you know, fan account, uh, aggregator account telling me how I need to behave like in my private life? 100%. And like, you know, in these Stan accounts, usually in the bio, um, it will be like, uh, whatever celebrity saved on, you know, October 10th, like they'll, some of these Stan accounts will like, they're legitimized by the celebrity endorsing them or mm. like followed by blank on blah, blah, blah. So the block was sending a message. Like, I don't fuck with you and I don't like what you do. And you actually don't. And, and so like, good for her. Right. Mm. Um, like, I don't think it was about like, Oh, now you can't see my stuff because we know that Stan mm. accounts like going to go and do it from like wherever. I think it was more just like, I'm going to talk to you in the terms that you understand, which is like blocking. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Like personally, if I was running a Stan account and the celebrity or the celebrities team or whoever's in charge of their social media followed me, I would think that that was because they're keeping an eye on, my, on me in case they need to like present some kind of dossier on me to the cops. <laughs> that's what I would assume. I would not think it's because they like my content. Mm, that's funny. Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, I think celebrities have a lot of widely varying uh, behaviors in terms of like looking at their stuff, not looking at the stuff. Um, there's, some, there's, there's something resonated. I, yeah, there's something I find really like, I don't know why I find this so funny, but like the idea of a celebrity like being in charge of their own social media, I find a very funny idea. Like, I like the idea of, like, just, like, one of the most, like, famous people in the world, like, getting, like, a notification and being like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, what? I know. Someone, someone, someone like my post. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Put your phone away. Be rich. Honestly, I think most of them don't, right? And, yeah, like, no, especially no, traditional actors have. But I, I think that they lurk for sure. Mm. And ha they all have, like, fake accounts. Or they have, like, their, um, what's it called? Alt. Mm. Yeah, the old like sure. fences and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's what was so sort of particularly grim about all of the JK Rowling stuff because she does seem to manage all of her own accounts. And it's just like the idea of this like impossibly rich woman in her castle, like like, you know, like relaxing in the bath or something, and just like her phone just going bing, 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 bing. And 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 mm. I've just been like, No, I've got to look. I've got to look. Someone someone is adding me. I have to look. <laughs> I think we have this fantasy that we'll like reach a certain point in our lives and get to like leave online. I mean, I definitely do. Oh yeah. But I think the reality mm. is the more time you have, the more money you have, like what better do you have to well, do? Well, yeah. Cause also, because also being online is really like, I I'm increasingly starting to believe that like a lot of it is just about 
like consequences, right? And so your proximity to being mm. online, your proximity to posting is really actually anchored in how much, how many consequences you will face as a result of it. And it's like one reason why I think that, you know, there are people who know that if they post anything that could be like, get them into trouble, who like could have real material consequences, they are like less likely to do that. And I'm not, and again, this is very much like a good sort of generalization based on sort of work yeah. that I've done, but nowhere near the same. But I think if you're a celebrity and especially if you are a celebrity that like won't face any kind of material consequences as a result of your actions and like, and if we're talking about like JK, for example, like, yeah, this is someone who can afford to like do whatever because they can, they, they, there's nothing that they can really lose at this point. I think there are like actors, like people who have money for sure, but who know that if they kind of like give themselves to the post, like they will like, you know, they, that will not be sustainable. And so I do think it's about like, you know, it is this question about proximity. It is about consequences and it is about how much you are sort of, how much time you have to really be able to kind of, you know, cause I think, again, we've spoken about this in various forms on the show, uh, talk about this a lot. Like, you know, you have to give up quite a lot of yourself to be a poster. And at a certain point, you really have to decide whether that's something that you really want to do or not. And in the case of like Viana Diama's block, like, you know, it's very much a sign of, I don't want to be a poster. I don't want to engage with posting. I wonder with Ben Affleck, it's just, you know, either he doesn't know what a poster is or he's sort of accepted like with the kind of meme circulation, whatever he, un like, I, I don't know whether he's ever been asked about it. I'm sure he has, but I can only oh, imagine. I that forgot his to tell yeah. you, this yes. made me, reminded me, I, one time I had a viral Ben Affleck meme mm. and because I live in LA, my friend is friends with his assistant who loved the meme and said she was going to show it to him. Um, so I, know, I don't know whatever happened to that, but he, I'm almost positive. He sees them and he's like slightly amused, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's, and that's the best you can do. You can just sort of like respond to it with some, like, you know, with, with some bemusement that is happening and sort of get on with your day, which is kind of like how Keanu Reeves deals with all his like Keanu Reeves. And yes. that's like a subject for another episode probably. But um, yeah, to me, it sort of seems like the best reaction to that is one of, you know, one where you don't have to engage with it and you can just sort of react with some benign amusement for like a few seconds. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I wouldn't be able to do, I, I think what you said about posting and consequences is interesting because I've gone through this massive change where I used to be a shit poster and now I like barely post um, because I don't know if it has to do with quitting drinking, but like I just, it's like crazy to me how I used to get high off of posting and like starting shit online and now it, fills me with dread. Mm. Um, I have the complete opposite reaction. And like some of it is personal. Like you have to like that. Mm. Uh, you have yeah. to be like, even if the notifications are people telling me to kill myself, I don't care. And like you now I'm like deeply affected. Right. I'm like, oh, this is upsetting to me. Mm. Okay. So I'm conscious about time. And what I really would like to do is like try and wrap um, the yeah, wrap all this discussion up into sort of the Ben Affleck arc. Um, and this is sort of what your, your piece kind of speaks to. Um, and like, yeah, I, I, we, you know, we've, we've spoke, we've spoken a bit about like this, you know, the stand cultures and, uh, where I feel like luckily Ben Affleck doesn't, doesn't seem to like be so intensely like uh, scrutinized or like intensely surveilled as, uh, as, as, as his girl or as, his, as his ex-girlfriend seemingly. Um, but I do, I, I wanted to know about whether like what Ben Affleck sort of represents in terms of the broader celebrity scene, because, you know, we think a lot about, about like, you know, and you living in LA must see it like in a much more visual way than like we do in London. 
um, where celebrity outings are like much more curated than they used to be. I went on to Viana Diarmas like updates account just before we started. And you can kind of see that like, she's sort of aware of the structure that now she is kind of like, in, like has been imposed onto her. And I feel like a lot of her relationship with Ben Affleck did kind of prepare her for the situation where, you know, she now has to be curated whenever she's sort of popped out. And you have other celebrities who very clearly are aware that, you know, once they get paparazzi, that's not just really going to be the case that their photo will be online, but it will very much like take on a life on its own once it is posted and shared and, you know, reproduced yeah. and aggregated. And so I wondered whether like Ben Affleck then sort of represents one of the last like, you know, actors who can kind of transcend this. I'm not really sure if there are any other actors or celebrities for whom these kind of celebrity structures don't really apply. Um, and obviously, like I think about a younger generation of celebrities, I think like Jacob Elordi being quite a good example of this. As someone who must be like aware that as they are kind of going to be photographed and are they as they are going to be watched and scrutinized in a much more acute way than their predecessors, even their sort of casual looks have to sort of be prepared for these moments. They have to kind of be much more on edge. And so, I, yeah, I, I wondered whether like you for looking back on your piece, but also just thinking about the journey that Ben Affleck has been on since he wrote it, like, is he really the last guy who can kind of not have to worry so much about, or like the last guy of his status to not have to worry so much about like what, how he moves through the world for lack of a better, like better phrase. That's really interesting. Cause uh, you know, this is a good segue. A lot of the celebrities call the paparazzi on themselves. They want these right. pictures yeah, to be point. taken. Yeah. And then like in a lot of the reddits and stuff, people are like, there's all these different ways people claim they can tell that this was, you know, they called, this wasn't um, an authentic paparazzi shoot. You know, I can't mm. really say that which ones of Ben Affleck. I mean, they all seem really authentic, but I also think that he knows. I mean, the second that he start like he started getting a lot of attention for these like Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, it's like suddenly he's always miserable walking around with coffee. Like I'm not naive enough to think that he doesn't play it up and he doesn't. Yeah, maybe he doesn't like it. I don't know. Um, I don't think we'll ever really know the truth, but it has given mm -hmm. him. Like it's extended his fame 100%. I mean, who would he be without that right now? Like his movies yeah. aren't hitting like, <laughs> you know, he's like kind of like in, in the public eye and then he gets back with JLo and now there's a lot more. Like if he really wanted to leave the public eye and was that disgruntled, he could do that. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I was just thinking I'm, I'm going through the Ben Affleck subreddit at the moment because I, I didn't actually look at that. And like, there, it, it doesn't really exist. It's really just like a series of tagged posts. And most of those posts are very much either people who really liked him as Batman or people who are like Ben Affleck is sad or Ben Affleck is bored. Like, again, feeding into the sort of like memeified version of him. But what seems to be quite evident, well, what seems to be evident to a degree is that it's not that Ben Affleck doesn't care about what the online world thinks about him, but he seemingly can afford to not have to bend to its whims. Like he will yeah, post, you know, yeah, he'll post like really nice images of JLo or Anna Diarmas. Like, you know, one of the sort of posts that was really popular was when he took like these really good photos of Anna Diarmas on like a beach trip that they went on to. Right. Um, and the response being like, I didn't realize how good a photographer he was. So he will like post this stuff on Instagram and everything, it will be very minimal. But like what seems very clear is this, that he does not need to sort of, he doesn't need to have like online brain. He doesn't need to have online logic. He doesn't no. need to sort of think about what his presence is in the digital world. 
it is made for him, but he can also kind of go beyond that. And I wonder whether that feeds into like the broader narratives of what your piece in 2020 was getting at, which is that this isn't a man who's really lost everything and has come back, but seemingly has just been given a lot of chances to redeem and improve himself. And like, sometimes he's done that and sometimes he hasn't, but like he doesn't like there are, there aren't the same type of societal expectations on him, if that makes sense. And I wonder, mm. like, I don't know if I, whether I'm onto something there or whether you've had like some different thoughts since writing that. Um, now. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree with you. I think it's in that piece, but you know, I think it even more so now of just like how badly we want to forgive, um, like handsome white guys, you know, mm. and we want them <laughs> to recover so badly. I mean, I doubt that he's ever not been invited to the Oscars despite mm. not having like, you know, a good movie and God knows how long. <laughs> um, he's always going to be in that echelon no matter what. Um, and I don't think we afford that same sympathy to other types of people, um, you know. And I also mm. just think there's something about him that's like deeply relatable in that way of like, here's the guy who had it all and like couldn't get out of his own way. Like who can't relate to that. Mm. Um, like it's comforting to me <laughs> <laughs> is his career trajectory. Mm. So keep at it, you know? Um, <laughs> and like, I do think there is, and I don't know if I'm think this and I'm projecting, but I do feel like there's this sense that like him and JLo are like kind of fame whores. Um, right. and that he is deeply, which I also kind of believe, you know, mm. Like he loves, he loves that this new relationship. Okay. He loves who the fuck am I? I sound like a Stan account. I don't know how he actually <laughs> feels, but he seems to, he plays the part of, Oh God, I have to go to another premiere with my celebrity wife. It's like date a normal mm. person then. Like <laughs> you love it. You love it. You know? Yeah. 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 No, you're but right. I think that's you're right. That, it's complex. That's what makes him so compelling as like a figure. This was like a really good, this was a really good insight into like the piece that you wrote. We will link that into the show notes. Um, and I think it was a really good insight into like what these new celebrity accounts will like, you know, or how these celebrity accounts are developing. And I'm sure it's a subject that we will come back to. And I hope that when we come back to it, Alana, you will, uh, you will want to come on and talk about more stuff. Uh, we really liked having you on. In the meantime, if people want to follow the work that you're doing, how can, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'm just at Alana Levinson on all social media accounts. I'm more active on some than others, but you can find me there. Cool. Go do that. Uh, yeah, go check out Alana's projects as well, um, including if you're in the States, Good Tape. I don't know whether like wh where where you can, if you can uh, get it in stores, I'm sure you can get it online, perhaps. I, I wrote yeah, a it's actually You did, and it's amazing. Um, I, I can't wait for you all to check it out uh yeah but you can order it it's actually only available online so okay and all it's right. anywhere in the world so just definitely order it yeah do that i didn't i didn't realize i didn't realize that you could order it overseas yeah. uh the power the power of the post go go do that respect the postman yeah. regardless of what country you're in uh alana thank you so much for coming on uh thank you for listening to this free episode we really appreciate it um, as always, we have lots of good bonus content on our Patreon, five bucks a month that helps us to support this show and to do it without ads. Also, we have lots of really good content content on there. So do listen to that, including the last episode that we did with Alana a while ago, but was still great. Um, you can check out Phoebe's stuff, uh, including her Substack and her other podcast. Those links are in the show notes as well. And then finally, this show is produced by Devon. You can follow them at Devon underscore on Earth. You can listen to their podcast. It's called Kill James Bond. It's very, very good. You should go check it out. 
And until next time, we'll catch you later. Bye.